You're listening to Power Athlete Radio, a podcast dedicated to empowering your performance every damn day. Join former NFL pro and Power Athlete founder John Wellborn as he dissects the greatest minds in strength, conditioning, and more. Joining him is everyone's favorite coach and hair model, Chris, a.k.a. Tex McQuilkin, Power Athlete's Director of Performance. So whether your goal is to be the hammer, destroy mediocrity, or simply move the dirt, you've come to the right place. Now with the warm-up done, let the games begin. Yeah. Power Athlete Nation, welcome to another episode of the premier podcast in strength and conditioning. I'm sitting here with John Wellborn. Wow, you took it old school. Power Athlete Founder and CEO, and 10-year NFL player, nine-year starter. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yes, and the friend of the podcast is joined by another friend of the podcast, Officer Colin Jackson. Welcome to town, my friend. Long-time listener, one-time caller. He did call. First time in person. First time in person. First time in person, yeah. Colin and I, we are college teammates, so been going strong, friends, friends forever. Uh, 18 yeah, years just beating each other up, hanging out, and holding each other accountable for nonsense. Um, yeah, man. Welcome to town. You're in town for Jeff Gonzalez's Concealed Carry, carry two. Course 2. Yeah, so it's the, the more sequel. advanced version. Yeah, it's the more advanced version, which, yeah. is, which is perfect because that's what we like to do with Chris, just throw him into deep waters. Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah, like, right. I start with... Uh, Chris is like, I have a gun. Uh, I, I don't know if it works, but what I assume a, it does. What is a holster? Is, is a holster where you just tuck it... In the back of your jeans? Like well, a I told him I have a whole bag full of holsters that we'll bring because I'm sure everybody that I'm sure you do too. Yep. We have this like, it's this uh, purgatory it's, of holsters where yep. you get one. You're like, oh, this is great. And then it sucks and it goes into the bag. What I do is I bring the bag and then let people select. Well, here's what Jeff's in for. I'm going tank top, no belt, jeans, tank top tucked in and just... I'm not concealing my carry. I'm just carrying. That's big trouble in little trouble. Exactly. That's exactly. Boot knife? Boot knife. I will tuck my jeans into my boots and put another gun in the boots. You know what's aggressive is uh, the fact that when you just take the pistol and tuck it into the front of the pants, like appendix carry with no appendix holster. Well, yeah, I want to explore some, some demands of being a police officer. And we can explore training within that, both... General preparation, barbell, all the good stuff, because you are a grindstone athlete. And then the specific skill work, like y'all were talking about BJJ, so a lot of that. I I was going to ask you um, on the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I can see uh, I come from more of a fight boxing Mm -hmm. background. Whereas I don't really think you guys are ever in a time where you're fucking one-on-one street fighting dudes. They're really not. But whereas I see in the jits, like the idea of being able to get under hooks and get dudes into control. And like, if like you take a dude to the ground, I, I heard John Donahue, Danny, <sighs> Danny who's a shaped head dude that works for oh, yeah, Ryan. He made an interesting incredible. point where uh, he was talking about like why the ground was important. Um, because, you know, obviously when you're on your feet, you can generate a ton of force. So like he in his analogy, which was kind of a crazy fucking analogy, but he was talking about like throwing the javelin, like you can generate all this force off your feet, throwing the javelin. But if you ask somebody to throw from their knees, it's not going to go far. So the idea of like getting somebody on the ground off their feet takes away most people's power to like generate a kick or explode or do anything. And most people aren't dynamic enough on the ground. So it's like a great way of like getting them off their ground into a bad place and then using the ground as like a fixed point against them. And I was like, man, that's, uh, as he was talking about it, obviously he was talking about the, you know, the strength of jujitsu as a skill, but all I could think about it is like a cop, uh, or a police officer in a defensive situation, getting 
the individual on the ground into a position that makes them vulnerable and then using the ground as leverage against them. Like it makes so much sense for that. Yeah, and the more that I think about it, especially when doing arrests, if if you have someone who's compliant and you can put them right in handcuffs, it's not an issue. But majority of the time when they are going bad, <clears throat> you're trying to find that, like, like you said, that leverage point or something to work against, whether it be a wall, a cruiser, something like that, so that you can kind of have them pinned so then you can work on the solving those problems. Like, okay, can I get my cuffs now? Or do I just need to hang on you until I get some more people back here? But it's incredible when I started doing it and then you were getting on the ground and getting in these really uncomfortable positions, but then you were also getting like all those little kind of like moments of clarity of like, oh, it's so simple. It's so simple to, oh, just shift over here, shift your weight over here. This is how you can escape using, putting your legs into it. I mean, the basic training that we get a lot of times, it's that cookie cutter bread and butter stuff. And you get to learn like the UPA, right? Yeah. So it's, oh, if someone's on top of you, grab your know, trap an arm, trap a leg, roll over like that. And that's kind of where it ends, which sucks because... That's not enough. No, and you really need to understand <laughs> and, how to... And that's just enough to get you in trouble. <laughs> yeah, it's like, because then you, you roll over, you're like, I got it, I'm out of here. And then it's like, well, now what do I do? Yeah, right? yeah. Well, but, and they're on PCP. Uh, well, yeah. well, that's a weird one too. Uh, something I've really had to like... Um, walk back and like Mary is uh so like we're used to like a lot of like short explosive bursts mm-hmm. within the training and um like that's kind of uh the opposite for some of the jujitsu stuff the idea of like staying relaxed and kind of moving through these movements mm-hmm. and like you know being fluid and like only applying enough pressure to be able to keep them in position but not too much that it like you know, all of a sudden now, like, cause I, I did it last night. Um, I was fucking applying way too much. And as I leaned forward, I, you know, I had an underhook. I had the guy here. And as I leaned forward to try to put my shoulder into his face, um, fucking leveraged me and th- flipped me over. And I ended up like trapping my leg and I, I just ended up in a really bad position really quick where I was in a, a, a positive, the position you want to be in. And within a second I was flipped into a fucking the worst position to be on. Then the guy had me cross body was pinning my fucking head and my legs. And then just got me into an arm bar. And I was like, fuck, like I thought I was doing everything right. And I mean, obviously these guys are skilled yep. and you know, obviously the criminal, but I mean, even fucking bad guys get lucky mm-hmm. and you're in a bad position. He feels leverage. I mean, who knows? He might've wrestled when he was fucking yep. in high school. And next thing you know, he throws his hips and puts you in a bad position and you're fucked. And, uh, yeah. I think that's like the interesting thing. Whereas, you know, there I'm in a bad position and, and I can feel what's coming Yep. and you're like tap out. Whereas in your guys' situation, there is no tap. Yeah. And that's why it's the more like tools you can have in your tool belt, the better you're off, you know? So whether it be people may have done wrestling in high school or striking or different things, I think the, when we were talking about it earlier, the overall, the best benefit for policing is getting in that uncomfortable position. Right. And it's the closest thing you can really get to a street fight because it's another person doing their best, putting their most effort into kind of, I guess the best way to put it is dominating you. Mm -hmm. Right. So not out to hurt each other, but it's, I'm going to beat you. Right. But in kind of a safe environment, it's the closest thing you're going to get to one of those actual street fights. So for me, it was when you could start getting under, getting under pressure and then understanding it's like, this is a bad situation. Okay. If this was really happening to me, what do I need to prioritize? Okay. Can I retain my weapon? Cool. How do I get out of this? Right. And that's what I've come to find is that a lot of times it's going to be that a whole bunch of that chaos out in the street. And then if you can get to somewhat of a dominant position, be like, okay, what's base here? 
And then now you can control that tempo and you can slowly work. You can get the positions that you want, and especially whether it be side control or mount and being able to retain that balance and that top pressure mm-hmm. is so critical. Is it weird? Uh, uh, like wearing your, um, I mean, obviously in the, you know, like within the, you know, fight space on, you know, in the gym, uh, you know, you're barefoot, let's say you're wearing gi, no gi, whatever it looks like, but then all of a sudden you're in patrol. And as I was thinking like, you know, as you're in full mount and you try to like hook your, you know, your heels in and kind of like, you know, get into a good hold position. The fact that you're wearing boots, you know, like I was thinking like that, you know, it's a little different when like all of a sudden, like I'm inside control and I'm trying to you know move here and then you know swing my leg over the top and get into a better position. And I'm like, what happens? I'm wearing pants. and I got shit in my pockets or I'm wearing boots and this, you know, like it just adds utility a belt, a different yeah. layer to where you're just like almost like put your knee into them and then kind of slice it through. And it's nice and easy because you're barefoot. Whereas yeah. opposed from now I got all this shit on me. Yeah. It's never that good. And especially having, if you're having an outer carrier, but then that also goes into kind of how you can start to obsess about like your gear setup, right? Is if I have to take off running after someone is all my stuff falling off of me. So if you can kind of have that pretty tight, you're good. And then when I was doing detective work, we had a call where a guy had assaulted a bunch of people on PCP and had them calm down. So a lot of times with the folks on PCP, they can be on one extreme or the other. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like, Hey man, put your hands behind your back. So had him turn around, had his hands gripped and almost like it was a scenario in the Academy as soon as I go to put the handcuffs on, it's like turns and flails. So we're able to take him down and he ends up on his back and he's kind of kicking his feet up at me. And normally in the past, I'd be like, oh, I'm just going to struggle with you here. But having done jujitsu, I was like, oh, sweep these legs out of the way, get into a side control. Sure. And then um, the other guy that I was with, then we just started communicating. It's like, do you know where my cops went? Yeah. Oh, they're over here. Cool. Let's grab those up. Okay, on three. Going to leverage his arm up, get him into kind of, it's kind of like a mount position from there and then we'll get the cuffs on him. So before we could even get anybody else with him, we talked it out, communicated, kind of going back to the communicating aspect of it and solve the problem. Mm-hmm. But I would definitely say having like experienced jujitsu and experienced those different times on the mat with it, I was like, okay, this isn't great right now, but we can work through this. Here's the problem now. Let's, let's solve that problem. The, uh, this is also cause I'm a fucking psycho. But um, uh, as I'm in these positions, like uh, um, I was telling you about that big dude I was rolling with, because um, he's real big, he's not as mobile, kind of side to side. So I was actually able to hipscape and kind of like shoot myself over and mm-hmm. basically jump over the top and get on his back, which at one point he just fucking buckled into a turtle and I didn't know what else to do. But like my first inclination was, uh, I'm going to pepper his fucking ribs, I'm going to bust his ribs from the back and that'll open him up. And then I was like, oh fuck, we're not supposed to do that. <laughs> so I didn't do that because I was fucking ended poorly. Uh, but like in that situation, because you're, you know, I mean, obviously we are in the confines of fighting, but now all of a sudden you're in a situation where like a dude could bite you. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of a sudden, like, hey, you know, I'm in this side control and I'm trying to trap his arm and the dude lunges forward and tries to bite. Or the fact that like, uh, you know, he got free arm is flailing or he yep. pokes you in the eye. And so like you're getting into these situations where you're like trying to control the arms, stay away from the head, head control. But then this guy turns and fucking bites me. Like if I get bit, I'm going to fucking kill you or I'm going to fucking, I'm going to open your eyes up, you know, like, so like there's this weird thing where you're like, man, there's so many weird things that like, as you're in here, like, you know, like last night the dude got in his fucking hip was on my face and I'm like, uh, if I, if, if, if this was a defensive fight, like you could fucking lay a bite on this dude. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been bit, but it's fucking awful. No, I I mean, yeah. 
Like, so far, I mean, right. I'm, I'm no, probably no bites, no spit in the face. Or I'm probably like just that. gonna like tap out and go right to the hospital at that point, you know, when people are biting you. But like, that's what crazy people yeah. do. But and it's this you have to manage that, yeah. right? And then especially that's where learning how to kind of cross face with like like a kind of a forearm right across the face to to direct that where you want to go. And it was funny talking about learning like the UPA in the academy. It's like, oh, when you're doing it, make sure you grab up real tight to that person so they can't punch you. And like that makes a lot of sense. So then when I go to my, like my first jiu-jitsu class, I'm like, oh, I got it. This. And I and rolling us a purple belt, and he was a nice guy, kind of doing the intro because it's better to roll with them than like yeah. another white belt. And I go up, and he's like, "What are you doing?" I was just like, "I gotta keep my head closed." He's like, "Let go of me before I choke you unconscious." And it's like, "Okay, thanks." Yeah. He's like, "Forget that stuff. Like, you need to learn it, yeah. you know." And so, but it's interesting the differences between that. And then he also did a lot of MMA, so he's like, "Sure, I understand where you're coming from." Like, yeah, if I was in that situation and I'm in the cage, I don't want to get you know a whole bunch of haymakers raining down on me. So it's it's getting into those kind of different scenarios and saying, "Okay." What's good? What's bad here? Where do I want to go from here? What's my goal? What's the problem that I need to solve? But yeah, the biting, it's, it's just, I, I like, I don't know why like that keeps going through my head. I'm like, God, I'm like, I'm in this situation. I'm like this dude could bite me right now. And then, uh, the problem is if he bit me, I'd probably just fucking knee drop his face. But then you're in a situation where now all of a sudden it's like, can't use chokeholds. Uh, there's like, you know, this excessive violence at yep. the, the minute anything happens, everybody pulls a fucking cell phone mm-hmm. camera out and they think that they're all going to get their next viral video. And then some dude fucking bites you, you drop a knee and they're like, look at him. He just assaulted that dude and fucking this. And you're like, this fucking guy bit me. Yeah. And, uh, I, I don't know how, how the rest of the world works, but if uh, you get into a fight and you start biting, you deserve what you get. You, yeah. Yeah. But I know for us, um, with a lot of that coming into it, as I started going through and once I got my blue belt I was like, well. I really shouldn't be trying to do like rear nakeds or anything like that. So I started to kind of try and guide a game and was like, okay, I like pressure, like the pressure passing, the mm-hmm. pressure game that also translates really well to work. And then my friend of mine who's a black belt is just Kimura is his game. Yeah. And it's also <laughs> probably one of the, like the most useful grips for policing, oh. especially like getting arms out especially if you have someone in the turtle you just reach in kind yeah. of that under the hand and well the problem with the kimura and this is uh at least what i did like if you if, if i feel you get to it like i don't need you to put me into the position where all of a oh, sudden just tap yeah, early, i, I, tap, I tap early yeah. yeah so like if we've gotten to that point i've fucked up and yeah. i know i fucked up and like as you feel them getting into it i'm like blah, blah, blah. Yep. like i won't even let them get there because i'm like ah like there's no way for me to get out of this at least at my skill level, like maybe if you're fucking some, you know, fucking you can like roll ninth level wizard. It, oh yeah, I see these just, dudes. Yeah, doing, it, no. it gets yeah. No, I'm I'm with you there. It's like I got like I'm not getting paid for this. No, so. and uh, I I'm trying to fight another day, and I don't need to rip my shoulder into pieces. Yep. So it's already that that's already happened in the NFL. And a opportunity to also get comfortable being uncomfortable is the weight room. Mm. Almost an introduction to this sense and fight against an object that's not fighting back. Yeah. I, um, what's really, uh, what's really interesting is, uh, like a lot of like the things that we use within the weight training, the idea of like, I'm going to keep like a good hollow position, good dead bug position, you know, bracing and trying to do this, uh, like that it becomes so important, um, in terms of being able to generate force. But then there's also the other side of it where like you're trying to relax a little bit. And the problem is, is I have no fucking chill in me, as you know, uh, because we've, you know, sprinted run and we do everything at such a high deal. 
that uh, was funny as we were going through stuff. Shandi was like uh, rolled up and he's like, how do you spell your name? What's four plus four? And the same shit that we were hitting them on the assault, uh, the guys on the assault bike. Right. So what uh, John's speaking of is, is an opportunity to connect this back to Collins. Decision making mm-hmm. is under stress. Yeah. We hit uh, our athletes. We hammer them with conditioning and have them spell their name yeah. uh, or manhandle John pretty yeah. easily. But this also gets to police work because I got to sprint my ass after this perp. Yeah. I got to take them down. We got to fight a little bit, but then I need to keep my cool. Yeah. So Colin, speak to that. And then, I mean, the, the opportunity, if you're training someone mm-hmm. noob green, how do you introduce now stress and can compound this decision-making development that you've spent 12, how long you've been a cop? 13, 13 years yeah. developing. Well, I, like it's, yeah. I mean, uh, to just to piggyback off what Chris said, like, uh, I mean, probably the only way is like, like we were talking with shooting, like you have to be able to go shoot or you have to put yourself in these situations. I mean, you've taken the forefront to be like, Hey, I'm going to go home myself and do this. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you help it's, shepherd people along to making that good decision? A lot of it comes down to talking through things. And especially with, if you have like a rookie with you and train it, I always be like, we just got shot. Where are we? You know, and it's, it's inconsequential, but it's helping them learn where they are in the city. Where are we going? Like, What's going like? How are you going to call out on the radio? What are you going to say at this point? Because you're now. It's funny that a lot of the little things that you kind of take for granted, having done them so long, when they're new, it's like this is a mountain I need to climb. Yeah. So, but how can you do that with giving them just the right amount of stress so that you're not overwhelming them, but that when the time comes for the real stress, they're falling back on, you know, kind of the the good habits that they're that they're developing. Hmm. So. Well, yeah, yeah. Wh- just like the little, you know, getting them with that, like, we just got shot where we're going. And then, you know, a lot of brief, like kind of breaking stuff, like, why were you standing that way? Why were you over here? Were they aware here? of their foot position? Yeah. Exactly. So well, kind what of, about yeah, like, uh, like escalation of force? I always think that's an interesting one. Like, like, uh, if this guy's a two, am I a three? You know, cause I've, I've run into cops that like, if somebody's a one, they're always a 10. <laughs> and like I've, yeah. I've uh, like uh, the the amount of times I've I've encountered police where like the, like there should be like like the escalation far outseated like what was happening. I'm like, hold on, we just went here. Like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? Yeah, sir so, and ma'am, and just being a normal human being goes a very long way. And so I was able to get into we're working on stepping up a um, crisis negotiator unit. So I was able to go to a school for that, that was awesome and. And a lot of it talking about active listening and just how you can apply that not only for policing, but even in day-to-day life. But so much of that is, I think a lot of it is fear. So this may be the thousandth stop that I've done or something along those lines. It's routine for me, but this may be the first time you are ever stopped by the police. So how I interact with you is going to forever mark how you feel about the police. So if I can come, hey, Sir, ma'am, how are you doing today? The reason why I stopped you is this. Is there any particular reason why that happened today? No? Okay, cool. Get your license registration, proof of insurance. Good to go from there. But then, like you said, you'll have those guys that just take it all out on folks. Like, yeah. why are you doing this on my highway? And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, you know. So my daughter. We're not here uh, to be bullies. You know? So my daughter asked me the other day. We were driving home. And um, she asked me, uh, what was the first time I ever got pulled over by a police officer? And I was like, I had my license about a week and a half. And uh, my brother uh, took the car that I was driving. And so I had to drive his, uh, he had a Jeep, like a 78 CJ5 Golden Eagle, uh, three-speed 
convertible. So it was cold. He uh, t- takes my truck and I had to go to uh, some steady thing. So I took his truck, which was pretty cool. I'm like 16 driving this fucking convertible Jeep. And so on the way home, um, I drove by the beach. And of course, you know, the police are always hanging, you know, hanging out the beach and trying to get people for, I don't know, doing whatever the fuck they do at the beach. And so this cop fucking comes in and pulls me over. And I'd have my license two weeks and I'm driving my brother's car. Like, I'm nervous as fuck. Like, I'm so scared. Like, um, I knew I had my license, but I knew that, you know, I'm thinking I don't have his insurance card. His mm-hmm. registration's probably somewhere in the glove compartment, but who fucking knows? And, like, the cop gets out and was such a fucking asshole and uh, ended up calling my parents on the phone to ask if I had stolen the car. I mean, like, such a fucking dick knob. And uh, I was so scared. And... um and then, like, basically told my parents that he pulled me over for playing loud music, which was funny because my brother's fucking stereo didn't work. And, like, just, like, I got home. Like, my parents were so fucking mad at me. My older brother's like, what the fuck? I'm like, like, this could have been solved. And he pulled me. I wasn't speeding. And just fucking pulled me over to harass me. And I'm just like, well, this is how cops are going to roll. And that is, I had a, when I first came out, one of my FTOs was just like, you know, do you want to come out here and do police work? And do you want to come out here and be a bully? And you can, there's really those two types, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys that are out there head down doing the work day in, day out. And 90% of those guys aren't that type of cop where it's, they're out there and they know what they're doing. They know what they want to do. But a lot of times it is kind of that complex. And I think a lot of it is a lot of folks tend to turn that into their identity. So it's, you know, look at that, the thin blue line. I'm the Punisher. I, I hope you enjoy that blanket of protection look, that you look see at the sticker everybody. on the back of my F-250. Right, and so they take it as like a personal affront. And I mean, that, that talking to rookies and new people, that's one of the biggest things that I tell them is you have to find something to do outside of this job because yeah. it's going to keep on rolling. It's going to keep on grinding. When you may be God's gift to policing, but when you leave, it's not going to care. Sure. One's going to care. It's going to keep rolling. So. Kind of going back into that, like training in the gym, training jujitsu, something that's going to, what I call is like get the mind scrub. If you've just had one of those weeks, there's absolutely nothing better than jujitsu because it's one of those activities where nothing matters except for that. How am I going to get out of this bit? I'm getting smashed inside control. This is terrible. How can I get out of this? Yeah, or, no, I fucking hate it. Yeah, or every day, you know, I've got the classic five rep max deadlift. Nothing else matters. Saddle up for that. Give it a ride. Show off to the high schoolers in the gym. So, boys, <laughs> uh, dude, I really like lifting weights. Uh, I, I, I will go to jujitsu because we've committed to doing it. Uh, but I, at the end of the day, I really like lifting weights well, and throwing things. It's crazy that there isn't a big crossover, if you will. Like it's, it's, it's. I don't know if anybody's yeah. hitting you with like the. Oh, you're very strong. As the as the like kind of this the subtle the subtle this. Well, I don't get to roll with like the normal people. I only get like the bigger like colored belts. But um, uh, I think there is uh, a level when you're pretty big and strong. Like what I call is like a master of fuck you. Mm-hmm. Like you might know jujitsu, but I know fuck you. So which means it nullifies your your skinny small jujitsu stuff. Because at the end of the day, like you might try to get me in something, and then I'm just gonna pick you up and fucking slam you. But there's nothing worse than when you get that. 135, 155 pound, five foot six dude, purple belt that just puts every ounce of their weight on you. And you're like, how are you doing this? I can't get out of this. It's, and that, that for me is when you really see 
that properly executed technique and yeah. understand what, what, what it's really capable of. It's yeah, no, I, I rolled with Shandi and he's like 200 pounds. I mean, fucking what, 11 time world champ. And, uh, uh, it just made me feel stupid. Um, and then the other weird thing is we've lifted weights with those guys. So I know how strong they are yeah. and the strength is unpropor- is disproportionate at the to, moment at the moment. No, 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 I, I know. But like, you're like, uh, I, w- I would have thought you all benched 500 pounds. Yeah. And so then I realized fairly early on that there's like some very intrinsic, uh, uh, training stuff like uh, they understand joint angles and they understand efficiency and movement and like it doesn't stop and there's a flow i mean it's really fascinating it's um it's so i constantly and we chris and i have talked about this for years the idea of athletic problem solving mm-hmm. i think like there's um you know whenever you read the research it talks about you know lifting weights is incredible for great brain matter and exercise i think part of staying young and developing that brain function is uh constantly forcing yourself to athletic problem solve you know, like, can I scale this fence? Can I do this? And then actually executing it. And you see people as they age, they lose athletic problem solving. Like, yeah. they, like they can't like get off the ground in this. And so I think something that's fascinating with jujitsu, um, same as lifting weights and training, especially finding new movements. Like we were looking at like, uh, trying to create greater ankle rigidity. So we were looking at like the Polish boxes and mm-hmm. the angles and some of the other things, but like that changing the different environment and forcing you to make decisions in different planes of motion in different situations, I think keeps you neurologically young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's, what's cool is we had Steven Kotler on and he spoke to the research about flow state and where yeah. we can connect it, even clearing the mind, skill development, anti-aging, but it comes down to the value of movement and then learning new skills. Yeah. And we speak to this in the athleticism model with the competency. Yeah. And then like we can uh, see how an athlete moves or introduce them to a new skill and how easy it is to them or, or not easy and find where they lie on their their timeline of athleticism, which is awesome. Yep. And uh, it's cool to give these guys these new movements and then we're seeing them in, improve them. And I know you're hands-on with manual resistance um, so you can feel the efficiency increase and the, the fight and the turn on, like the yep. literal turn on of the athletes in their resistance, which is cool. Well, I wrote which a bl- is similar to jujitsu, I yeah. imagine, but we're just taking it one step back to a general movement. Well, the, uh, I, uh, years ago I wrote a blog post called always be a white belt. The idea of like constantly taking on new tasks and mastering them. And like, it's okay to not suck at things. And, uh, uh I wrote this blog post cause I really believe in it. And then all of a sudden this is when I was faced like now I'm legitimately a white belt getting fucking smashed every day. And, uh, I have this like constant fucking like, um, like one devil on one shoulder and one fucking, you know, angel on one side where it's like, this is so good. And, uh, you know, athletic problem solving and it's amazing, you know, like this, like good fucking version of somebody on my shoulder. And then I have like the other version of me with eye black. that's like, fuck these people fucking smash them like don't fucking submit the leg. Oh yeah, totally. Like, uh, you know, like any of the, like whenever we're on our feet, um, and doing any of like the judo stuff, uh, that's my fucking wheelhouse. I would have to assume, yeah, fighting for grips and like foot I position mean, I don't and people go against you on that. Yeah, but like fighting for position and trying to get Footwork. people. Yeah, yep. no, that's my wheelhouse. And uh, so like those guys are like this, like leg sweeps, and like to the point where like you're kicking their leg as they lift it, and then trying yeah, to like you know, yeah. And then even like a dude will try to get the underhooks underneath you, and I'm like, eh, this ain't happening. 
So like that type of stuff is like, you know, I got like the one guy with the eye black that's like fucking finish them. And then it's like, no, 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 you're here to learn. Be a white belt. Yeah. These are your friends, you know, like they're all so nice. Don't be like this. And then it's like fucking break their neck. Like, so I have this good versus evil constant battle going on in my head. And, uh, and then the problem is, is that dude chokes you out and he's like, dude, you did great. And he like wants to high five you and give you a hug. And I'm like, God, if only these people weren't so fucking it's nice. The duality it's, of man, John. Well, it's uh, it's that's what's so crazy. Everybody is so, and they they will smash the life out of you. And be like, you probably shouldn't have put your hand there. Yeah, like, and and then after everybody hugs, like this is what's funny too, because uh, it's as, like Fight Club as in real life. Te- uh, Tex and I, like, I wasn't raised with a lot of hugs, as you can figure. Like, I wasn't hugged a lot as a kid, and I know Tex probably didn't get a lot of hugs either. No, yeah, like Colin was there when my yeah. first initiation to human hug. contact. <laughs> Chris had never been hugged until he, he came to college and you guys had a few drinks. You're like, yeah, and then, get over here. Think for the real thing. Yeah. And then Pat and I raised you. Yeah. So yeah. what's, what's hilarious is, uh, the Brazilians are big huggers. Huge. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I saw Luis, um, who was uh, one of the young kids that came to train with us yesterday and he sees me. He's like, Oh, John, like comes over, gives me a big hug. I was like, Oh, it's great to see you. I just saw you a few hours ago. And then as he's leaving, he like walks across and like another, and I'm like, just, we've hugged three times today. Like four, actually it, four times. It's a hug. He's just practicing getting underhooked. Uh, oh, he's sizing he's you just up. Getting, oh, hey, John, oh. how you doing? You're really strong today. Uh, but it's, it's funny. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of hugs and I realized that like they, uh, it's just, it's very different. And so like, you can't be mad at any of these people. Because yeah, everybody's so friendly in this, slap, yeah. but there's uh, a lot of unwritten. It reminds me a lot of uh, of surfing. There's a lot of very unwritten rules yeah. that if you if you mess it up, like someone will play something like, hey, man, don't do that, yeah. you know, or they'll call on the mat enforcer. This episode of Power Athlete Radio is powered by Train Heroic, the most immersive strength training app experience on the market. We've built our online training business by partnering with Train Heroic and helping us deliver all of our world-class training programs like Jack Street, Field Strong, and Grindstone. To learn which Power Athlete training program best suits your goals, head to powerathletehq.com training. And if you're a coach looking to build a business with the best tech and training, go to trainheroic.co forward slash powerathletehq. And now, back to the show. So, the program. I thought that was just face. I didn't realize... Is are it, you going for a reach there? Is that reach paint no. homage to fucking Johnny Lawrence? That's what I'm saying right now. Oh, so you're hot take. That's not a hot take. Uh, when I, I published our podcast, someone informed and then shared the photo. So it's their hot take. That's a stretch. I mean, I don't know. I, I credit Latimer. I thought it was just the skulls. I do love Latimer. That is the best... Like the best scene ever. Right. The uh, place at the table, and he just goes around. Well, my my favorite was the that, southern was that accent what, on the coach. Was that what uh, college was like in the early nineties? Uh, no, I it, I wasn't at all. Just that's, like that's not a documentary. State. Just like when I saw. The, oh, you went to uh, Berkeley, though. So yeah, was, no, it didn't happen. Uh, just like when I got to see any given Sunday, I was like, "What team is this?" They got fucking strippers at practice, and they're cutting cars in half. I didn't get that. It's like training. Well, yeah. What? It's like, oh my god. It's like, I'll have to sh- smoke PCP on my first day. Is this going to be like colors? Like a Pac Man? Oh, colors. colors. Uh, Emma Knight. Robert Duvall. Man yeah. walking. Ah, fuck, that's the best movie. So, where were we? Uh, okay. So, he asked me an interesting point where he, yeah. he thought that uh, if any of my NFL offensive line training 
translated into skills within jujitsu? And I said, no. The only translation of skill came from when we do the judo, from like when we're on our feet with the tussles and trying to get into that stuff, the ability to be able to play in space and move people and throws and all that. Like, that's my fucking wheelhouse. The minute we lay on the ground, all my power goes away. Yeah, because I would have thought with a lot of the kind of the arm work, and he's talking about using that for direction, that when you're on, especially on your back and in side control, and you're trying to build frames out, which essentially is no. using that to build space, I'd have thought that would have translated more. But I guess thinking more on it, yeah. uh, you're not really using your hands well as and, much. And I never ended up on my back. Like uh, like I've told you, if I end up on the ground with a dude on top of me, everything has gone fucking wrong and I'm probably not going to have a job tomorrow. Uh-huh. So like the idea of like being on the ground, a dude on top of you. Now, there are many times where I drove a dude to the ground and then I would fucking smash him and then bounce right up and get on my feet because I didn't want to lay on the ground. We had a rule uh-huh. in the NFL, the dudes that play on the ground, don't fucking play. And so the and well, I, was, I was telling him actually. Yeah, brought that into Power Athlete with the athletic burpees. Yeah. Uh, but like the idea of me laying on my back with somebody on top of me gives me a little bit of anxiety and I have this like strange feeling of like, uh, and it's hilarious. All the imagery and all the branding for power athlete goes through my head, like empty your cup. It's not about you. You fucking asshole move the dirt. You know, like, I'm like, this is a process. The only way I'm not going to get better at this. If I stop showing up, be a white belt, be humble. Like all the shit that we've written about, I, I have to like mentally tell myself, because we have this fucking little ego where I'm like, fuck, man, I know that I can smash this dude. But, like, that's not why I'm here. I'm here to learn a skill. And I know that it takes a certain amount of exposure and opportunity. It's like lifting weights. Like, yeah, I want to be strong. Well, you got to go through the process. You got to go underneath the bar. There's a certain amount of reps, tonnage, load, opportunity you have to do to get to a certain place. And there's no way to circumvent the time. I mean, there's, 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 there's no way to, like, plug in. And I, I, I constantly think as I'm driving home. If only this was the fucking Matrix. And you remember we plugged mm-hmm. it in. And he's like, I know jujitsu. No. Like, how great it would be I if I could. I'm out on that. Fucking, oh, dude, if you could just plug the fucking zip drive in and download, and I could. We actually had this conversation on the podcast with Jim Carizzi, throwback that the Matrix has like screwed a generation yeah. of hard work because of the plug in versus the Karate Kid and the process of that he went on, through. Wax off. I, exactly. I, I know. But how much more fun would it be if you could just walk in, get downloaded, and then just go fucking like rumble in the jungle? This is what cops talk like, about on their downtime? Just stupid shit? Pretty much. That, a lot of hypotheticals. I'm just more interested yeah. in the fact that, uh, that Thor was able to forge his hammer in the eye of a dying star. I mean, that was by far the coolest part of that documentary. I'm not, I'm not in on comics. I just... Uh, I do like the Marvel movies. CGI the, characters. Uh, except for the, you know... Forces you, of nature. Do you think that they've CGI'd up Chris Hemsworth? Oh, no, he had some uh, additionals. As Nick Hardwick would say, additionals. <sighs> he, uh, uh, Wait, uh, so like broccoli, chicken breast, yes, creatine, yes. And, eight uh, hours uh, of sleep? Lots of Body weight yeah. exercises on his app? Yeah. yeah. That's what does it. Yeah, everybody knows that. It's two hours of sunlight, you're good. Yeah, yeah. you're fine. I mean, th- he's got good genes. All his brothers are killing it in Hollywood. Yeah, well, hmm. relatively good. Uh, right. They're... If uh, um, I was going to say, uh, in terms of police work, like we're going to have yeah. fun at the shooting course. I'm pretty stoked on that, especially yep. seeing Chris. Like, I want to see Chris like uh, show up in like kind of like a leisure suit. I also have, I I also have a blowout kit just in case. Uh, you okay. know, I'm old. wearing my '80s leisure suit on uh, Sunday. Perfect. It's basically Halloween. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, Jeff is going to hate me. No, uh, Jeff is uh, uh, weird enough that he might even show up in something strange. Who knows? Uh, but the question I have is, if uh, in police work, obviously you have to be proficient with, uh, I mean, maybe it's probably more beneficial to be proficient with your hands in terms of jujitsu and fight stuff than a weapon, but you still have to be proficient with weapons. I would say overall basic health is the, is probably the number one issue that a lot of cops deal with. Of just Is it diet? Is it sleep? I would say it's a lot of that, but I mean, even when I first started where you were just, you Chipotle every day. Uh-huh. You know, because yeah. you do one of meal preview. There could be worse things than eating that a bunch of Chipotle. Uh, yes, yes I've with- seen him consume it. It's getting a bag of Lay's at Seven yeah. Eleven. going up to the cheese machine, opening said bag. Because they don't say that 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 chili and cheese is just for hot dogs. This is this right? real. This, this is, is real. You got to understand I, this. I just threw up in my mouth. Oh, oh and, my you, God. and you, you make your own little your little in bag nachos. It's, it's like a Frito pie, but Seven <laughs> Eleven. This is disgusting. You put the chili and cheese in, little tomatoes. Uh, but um, yes. a lot, yeah, a lot of dude. I mean, poor sleep, a lot of just poor health habits overall. Dude, uh, like, um, I mean, obviously, like they probably have you guys shoot every so often, but like, how many of the guys actually do some form of fight prep, some form of fight training? Very few. Really, like, Very not, few. like no boxing, no nothing. There's one guy in my department who did a few cage fights, but very proficient jujitsu. We got a couple black belts. Oh, I got one black belt, and then couple other guys that like every now and then we'll get together and roll but prime and i think a couple of dudes who were wrestlers well, back yeah. in the day. so maybe maybe five percent of the department wow yeah even so, though it's probably a skill that probably benefits you more than yeah you i will say we are trending upward we did do um a control taxes class in addition to our normal in-service this year and a lot of that was going over kind of um a lot of the principles of jujitsu, but more than just the UPA. But okay, hey, side control, how to get an arm out from underneath, and just kind of work in that principle. So at least we're we're trending in that situation. But it's it's such a double edged sword. And when you look from the administrator's perspective, is we want to get these guys training, but if I send these folks to training and I'm losing twenty five percent from each class to injuries, and now I don't have enough people to put on the street, is it worth it? Mm. And that's kind of the that's what sinks, you know, so it's it's a lot of guys will go out on their own, and especially if, if you see the benefit in a lot of these things, which, you know, I mean, I enjoy, I like, enjoy being in the gym, I enjoy doing the jiu-jitsu, shooting, you know, so to come down here to do that, more than excited for it, but it's... Sweet. Is there really a gym on you. campus? Um, we have, yeah, but a lot of them are like hotel type gyms, where you have the... More of a smith Yoga machine, mats more balls. of a more of a smith machine type squat rack, mm. if you will, and then like dumbbells going up to maybe fifty if that. So, but it's it's better than nothing. So we we'll give it that. Yeah. Uh, first time I ever went to a hotel gym like that with Chris. Um, first time I've ever seen this. He actually got in the smith machine, laid on his back, and was doing vertical build the leg, leg presses. presses. That's my quick standard. That's how you build, build the glutes. And yeah. they had one plate, so. Uh-huh. Basically doing one plate on each side, yeah. so I had John just yeah. sit on the bar. Yeah, just lay on top. So we of it. leg pressed each other, and then we just got like more and more people. We found like two or three small children, maybe some like extra, you know, and uh, items. Calf raises yeah, for the rest great. of the it's time. Perfect. So I mean, if you really got, you got to make it work. Yeah, and that's what I think. A lot of it comes down to is it's like the horse to water, you know, because they could offer a million trainings, they could offer top tier gym, but if you don't want to make yourself better, you're not going to make yourself better. Yeah. So. Uh, how true is the wire? The wire is probably 
probably one of the more accurate series, especially with the back end of it when you're doing like the search warrants and the wiretaps and a lot of the kind of the politics behind policing. And that was one of the things that I was so shocking to me when I first became a cop of, I thought, hey, we're all in this, we're all on the same team here. We're all trying to yeah. get the bad guys. And then you see different priorities, different places. And so We've that's- We've seen the departed. The departed, the, the, well, the, the DMV just, is interesting yeah. because it's, it's like Maryland. It's like the departed. District of Columbia and Virginia. So you got three different states governing bodies. So that's yeah. that's interesting. But then it's also interesting the different how they have different priorities in different areas and the different crime rates in each area. And you gotta cover all Yeah. You can all three. Um and we were speaking beforehand the 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 change in the training and I guess decriminalization of certain things, so people are missing reps in I guess how they're approaching people, how they're de-escalating situations, and um, I mean sprinting after people, all that good stuff. So, is that going to negatively affect potentially the future? That's what I kind of see is if if you're not being able to do those like if you can't stop five to six people a day, and that might just be stopping and contact them, just talking to them, so that now you're getting into that those little micro decisions that you can make with each stop, and how is it going to go, and just getting used to talking to people who are strangers in that position. With so much stuff being decriminalized, a lot of people aren't making those stops. So you might go two, three days and not make a proactive stop. You might have to do some reports here or there, but that now you're you're missing out on all those little reps. So imagine if you just, hey, we're gonna practice on Tuesday and then you're on the field on Sunday, right? You know, and so when you get those really heavy stress situations, you haven't had that inoculation building up. So it's definitely frustrating, it's definitely harder to kind of get the job done, but you know, you gotta just kind of go with the flow and do what you can do, see what you can get done. But yeah, yeah. I think it's definitely tough for a lot of folks coming out nowadays because you're just not getting those everyday reps. Yeah. Cool. Everyday reps, I like. Everyday. Right. Well, well, we're gonna get plenty yeah. to I'm Saturday and Sunday. To yeah, we're gonna have fun on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, especially a thousand rounds, I was just like, Yeah, oh. maybe uh, if you guys will check, we'll probably post some stuff to social. Uh, taking the journey so well dude thanks for stopping it's by and i look forward to it this weekend glad to be here awesome. all right bye bye, bye. bye.